Hi, everyone. My name is Jonathan Fries, and you are listening to a special season of What the Flock. We've spent five seasons covering the topics that have caused so much damage. People don't come to church anymore. This season, our goal is to repair the Bible's reputation by taking specific Bible verses that have been abused due to man-made tradition and help you understand the ultimate answer for these verses. I'm joined by my co-host, Joel Swakowski. How you doing, Joel? I'm well. How are you, Jonathan? We are. I'm excited. Yeah. We are cranking through season six. It yes. is flying by. Agreed. If you haven't listened to seasons one through five, we encourage you to do so. Everything we're going to discuss during this season is built on the foundation of the previous five seasons. There's a lot there. So at least listen to the podcast that we are going to be referencing in this episode, because there's there's a lot of good stuff here. Like we've said, we cover about four of them because of the perspectives that people find themselves on the side yeah. that they're on right yeah i'd even say with at least it seems like it's been at least four we may even start towing into more because we're starting to see even as we repair the bible's reputation a lot of these verses that we're hitting are connected in some way and we're even starting to refer to some season six episodes in the later episodes of season six. So, but for sure, these 75 episodes we did season one through five showed every issue has two perspectives that distract people from the ultimate answer. We called those perspectives, the strict and the loose perspective. What the strict side does is they initiate conflicts with the Bible by saying that they know the correct interpretation for sure. Yet when a contradiction is exposed, they rationalize their reliance on man-made tradition, like by saying something like, well, we believe grace is unmerited favor because like, who are you to change anything? That's like, people believe that for 500 years, Jonathan, hmm. do you have special revelation? Hmm. So they rationalize their reliance on man-made tradition in the place of God's word. Okay. And we know the biggest example is you're a sinner. And at, although you can't earn your salvation by works, you better do works to prove your salvation. There's a contradiction there that is being rationalized. So we can see these people as contradiction rationalizers. Now, the loose side, what we've learned through the ep many, many episodes in seasons one through five is that the people on the loose side want to avoid tension. They want to avoid conflict and they will avoid all of those unsettling feelings when they're reading God's word by saying, you know what, especially in those verses and, and passages that are uncomfortable, yeah, we can't really know anything for sure. We can't really know for sure that that's what it's saying. You know, ultimately there's not really an answer given here or the answer is beyond our understanding anyways, because we're just human beings with small minds mm -hmm. or even, you know what, it's a paradox. We can't, we're not meant to know. Now, the contradiction here is these people who avoid knowing and defining anything for sure still want to tell you when you are wrong. 
what we see here is these are contradiction enablers. Excellent. Thanks, Joel. What are the verses we are covering today? Put on your seatbelts. Oh. We got a big chunk for you. Click, click. As we go in the season, it's not always going to be more and more verses, but at times you're going to see more verses quantitatively and, and the complexity of the verses qualitatively is going to be more as well. So Romans 1, 24 through 32. Ooh, that's our longest section yeah. today, to date. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their heart to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. 26. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness, whispering, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Joel, you have my attention. <laughs> oh, man. There's some whoppers in there, huh? Let's go. Oh, yes. I feel like I have been waiting for this verse for a long time. Yeah, yeah this one's going to be good. Yeah. Topics that have caused so much damage that people don't come to church anymore. Uh-huh. You start. How many of you out there are picturing uh, sign, sign waivers right now? Oh, baby. Yeah. Well, in order to look at how this verse has damaged the reputation of the Bible, or in other words, how man has taken away from what God intended with this verse, we have recorded messages from two of our favorite callers from the first five seasons. Let's hear the strict explanation given by Apostle Tater from McMullen, Alabama. I know you all know this, but homosexuality is a sin, and God is going to judge them for it. Joel, how would you respond to the perspective that Apostle Tater gave? He went pretty hard at one of the things that was listed, right? He did. Man, that took me a long time to read all those things. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it did. I would have the person read the passage more carefully because there are other sins mentioned that all of us participate in. 
And I'd ask him if God is also going to judge them just as harshly as what he claims homosexuals will be judged for. Mm. I'd have him listen to the season six, episode four, Matthew seven, one episode, because we aren't supposed to judge. I'd also have him listen to the sin episode, season two, episode 12, and possibly even go into the destructive thinking episode. Season three, episode six. Excellent. Well, next, the loose perspective is given by Pastor Rich from McMullen, Alabama. Let's hear what Pastor Rich has to say. No one is supposed to judge anyone of anything because no one is going to get judged. Everyone goes to heaven. Love wins. Joel, how would you respond to the loose perspective given by Pastor Rich? I would have this person listen to the apologies versus confession and maybe even also the Matthew 7, 1 episode, like the strict side, so that they can understand the difference between the terms judge and determine. I'd also have them, I'd want them to understand the doctrine of love better. So I'd have them listen to the love episode, season one, episode 15 so that they would learn the difference between love and enabling. I've seen a pattern here as far as uh, a lot of the the loose side, we keep pointing to love, mm-hmm. right? Or we mm-hmm. often are, because mm-hmm. a lot of times these, remember, they're contradiction enablers. So in order to dissolve the issue of enabling, a person needs to understand what God means by love. So that's how I'd handle the the loose side that rich shared with us excellent here's a summary the strict side doesn't understand sin and the loose side doesn't understand love versus enabling that's so so nice yeah that's a nice concise (laughs) summary thank you awesome yeah you bet so what steps should we take to get the correct interpretation we're gonna go through the same five-step process as we have for every passage of this season, yeah, or at least three of the five, right? Yeah. Number one, what does the Bible actually say? Here again, we're just checking to see if the verses these people were discussing this with are actually in the Bible. I'm going to skip the reread. Spoiler, we're going to make it to step three in this episode. So we will go through and read all the verses that I already had put. But just for time saving, I'm not going to do a reread on step one since we are going to go through it all. So with that said, let's go into step two. What does the original language say? Again, I'd say the English translation is consistently accurate from the original language, which is great. However, in step two, we also recognize that just because the translation is accurate doesn't mean we know what those words mean. So I just want to dig in a little bit into a few of the words so we can just recognize there is some confirmation here over the the consistency of the translation and what the original language said. So for instance, verse 28 says, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind. So this is a really important verse within Romans 1, 24 through 32. So that's why I pulled this one out. It's going to be pivotal for us understanding what Paul's point is here. 
knowledge meant the right information mm-hmm. a right what right mm-hmm. debased came from a greek word that meant castaway which really what this was was a person falsely representing their value so focused on appearance the appearance could be representing some value that is not accurate from within that person mm. And the word mind, from a Greek word that is who the person is, their soul. And these people, shown from this verse, are growing away from God. So it sounds like the person knows the right information, and they are intentionally choosing to ignore it. Which is a whole level worse than just doing the wrong thing in ignorance. These people know the right information and are intentionally choosing to ignore it. Hmm. So now let's get into the context. We're going to just start at the same verse. We'll go through Romans 1, 24 through 32. And again, seatbelts on, because we're going to have to go into Romans chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, to really understand what Paul's point is here. Cool. You'll see the danger of what the damage has done here is really people stopping after chapter one and not connecting what Paul teaches in chapter two to this list of bad or sinful behaviors in chapter one. So let's do it. I'm going to start with 24 and 25. Again, it says, Wherefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts unto uncleanness, that their bodies should be dishonored among themselves, for that they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. So here what we see, people chose to consider the physical as preeminent or the source instead of the spiritual. They know they're not God, yet they attempted to become the source instead of worshiping God as the source, which, again, this is an example of attempting to reverse causality. Mm -hmm. Again, so again, we could point to another episode if you want to listen to that. Verses 26 and 27, for this cause, God gave them up unto vile passions For their women changed the natural use into that which is against nature, and likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working on seemliness, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was due. All right, so we saw Apostle Tater pinpoint a phrase within these verses. But here what we see, because people chose to see themselves as the source, God gave them up. This meant he gave them into the hands of another. Basically, God stopped trying to be the influence to these people and let them be influenced by their vile passions. Doing this would lead them to destruction because God's optimistic that this destruction will help them realize their error leading them to humbling themselves and getting on the right path. Yeah, it's like they're hitting rock bottom and 
and having yeah. an and having an epiphany towards God. Yeah, and we know from experience, people who are walking a joy-filled life with the Lord often feel really great about that breaking point and love mm-hmm. telling that story because that's the moment that their life pivoted towards purpose. Yeah. Verse 28. You notice how we just kind of went right past that one thing that Apostle Tater pointed out? Because that's not the point. That one thing is not the point of these verses. It's not Paul's point. Again, verse 28. And even as they refused to have God in their knowledge, God gave them up unto a reprobate mind or debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. Verse 28 was the cause. These people refused to have God because of their pride. So God gave them into the hands of another. He let them be influenced by their own deceived minds, which would result in the following effects. So verse 28 is really important. We covered it, you know, with the reprobate or debased mind. These are people who have chosen to live according to their vile passions. They are in pride. They have chosen to be influenced by their deceived mind and God didn't get in their way. This is the cause of all the bad, quote unquote, bad behaviors that Paul listed. Again, verse 28 or 29 says, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malignity, whispers. Most of these are familiar terms. Two that are not malignity is ill will, the desire, or harm another. We know that word whisper means gossiper. There's a lot of bad effects. Again, we don't need to understand the specifics of all these effects in order to understand Paul's point as to why he's listing them. There's more, but these are the bad effects that come from the cause of a deceived mind. 30, backbiters, hateful to God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. Hateful to God was in this list, could also be interpreted as hating God. Also, disobedient to parents was in this list. Yeah. The list continues, verse 31, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, unmerciful. Wow. Notice a person without understanding is on the same list as all those other (laughs) sinful behaviors. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Now, these verses I read, verse 29, 30, and 31 so far, again, were effects of that verse 28, which we saw the cause of these bad behaviors was pride and deceitful minds. However, verse 32, which I'm about to read, showed one more qualifier on this list. Who, knowing the ordinance of God, that they that practice such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but also consent with them that practice them. So Paul stated that these people knew that those who did these things were worthy of death. Again, they had knowledge of this. They weren't Mm. ignorant of these things being wrong. Not only did they know these things were wrong and did these same things, they encouraged others or consented with others to do those same things. Wow. Now, if we end there, which a lot of people do, we take those verses and it's really easy 
to pick and choose different bad effects or sinful behaviors from that list and and use it to rationalize judging others as being sinners or unbelievers because they do these things. This is why it's so important to get the context because Romans 2, 1 through 11 is going to clear this all up for us. Verse 1, again, Romans 2. Therefore, you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge, for in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. Now, we could potentially end the episode here. Hmm. Because what this does, you know, we'll we'll go through verse 11 because it does bring more clarity as to why verse 1 is true. But verse 1 makes the point that judging, verse 1 makes the point first, let's understand judging. We know is the assessing of the source of injustice and beginning the process of equaling out the injustice on that person. Notice we can observe and determine others are doing this. That's not the same as judging. If we judge the actions from Romans 1, 29 through 31, if we declare others as the cause of the injustice and begin the process of equaling out the injustice on these people, then we condemn ourselves. Simply stated, if I judge you, not just observe or determine, ooh, this person, I think this person's wrong, but me judge you as an unbeliever or, you know, make, make some statement of fact without all the information as if it's true about you being a bad person. I condemn myself. Again, why? Because all of us do the activities in the list of Romans 1, 29 through 31. So it's like me looking at someone else going, okay, you're, you are doing this because you're an evil person. I see this behavior and I put a value on you. Yeah, you yeah. are bad or you are evil and therefore you are doing this behavior. Yeah. Yep. And then I go and I say, and I try to equal out that justice myself. I try to fix it. I try to, you know, I can't stay silent. I got to go after it. Stand up for truth. Right. And I start trying to take that person down or convince them otherwise. I'm essentially condemning myself. Yeah. Ooh. Why? Because we all, it ends. In There's verse, something verse on one. that list that's just for me, right? right? <laughs> for you who judge, practice the same things, he says. Ooh. So not only are we guilty because we practice the same things, we're condemned because we're judging people who are doing things that we also practice. We're hypocrites. Nice. There you go. So we're essentially twice as guilty as those who only do these activities. Hmm. Why? Because we do them and we judge others as if only others have to pay for doing these activities. Makes sense. So this first stated that we know that we are without excuse. 
However, attempting to have an excuse is self-justification. This verse showed that those who do these actions and justify themselves are condemned because this is the definition of hypocrisy. And Jesus said in Matthew 24, 51, hypocrites are condemned to go to hell. All right. Verses two and three. Let's flush this out. Just just brings more clarity as to why this is such an issue and also kind of gives us the answer as to what to do instead. Two and three say, but we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. And do you think this, O man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? That's your strategy, you know, like, Oh, no, I'm judging them. So that makes me safe. Right. <laughs> right. And this, this is like a rhetorical question from Paul. It's like, no, you guys, his no. point is no one is escaping the judgment of God. And it, and it makes sense because it's, it's a strategy. Well, if I'm judging these people with God, it must mean I'm on God's side. Right. But the implication is a lot worse. Uh-huh. Than being on God's side. Uh-huh. So what it is, is you are not recognizing that God is right and just. Even if you say you are, your faith is showing you don't believe it. Because you are putting yourself in God's place. There you go. Which really is the beginning of that person glorifying themselves. Verse four, or do you despise the riches of God's goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? Oh, man, this is so good. Hey, you don't need to judge people. You need to repent. What's good? Judging's not, judging isn't good. Not when you do it. Repentance is. Hmm. The judging others instead of leaving it to God is actually hindering the repentance of these people. Me judging, even if I think I'm doing it the right way, gets in God's way to judge these people. He can't judge people when I'm trying to do it. So me giving up that, giving up control of that judgment to God, essentially forgiving, enacts the goodness of God, which leads to repentance. We know the definition of good. We know good creates. The definition or the cause of good is right and just. God is good. Why? Because God is right and just. Good creates. So repentance is repair. It's not just something getting back to zero. It's something becoming more than it was before the sin happened. Verses five and six. But in accordance with your hardness, and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each one according to his deeds. God will eventually equal out justice on everyone. God is just. So again, don't judge because you do the same thing and you're condemning yourself. And then the last few verses is just showing us, let God do it instead. He's going to anyways. And then verses 7 through 11, to wrap this up, 
eternal life to those who by patient continuance and doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality, but to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness and indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish, on every soul of man who does evil, and of the Jew first and also of the Greek, but glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good to Jew to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for there is no partiality with God, or in other words, there is no God is not a respecter of persons. So because God will judge everyone, salvation is available to everyone. It would be unjust for God to judge everyone, yet not offer salvation to everyone. Makes total sense. So this verse ought to cause us to think well of God because we see his intrinsic value. He is the right and just judge. We can give that burden to him. It belongs to him. We shouldn't have be carrying that in the first place. As much as me, we may want to judge others, when we have faith in God and in his intrinsic value and who he is, we can give up control over that, knowing God's going to do it the right way anyways. So remember, contradictions don't exist in reality. What these three steps did, even with these complex verses from the letter to the Romans, it's these steps are slowly bringing us through exposing and removing any contradictions that man has introduced into the Bible. We want to be contradiction removers. You got that ditty, Jonathan? Here's what we have so far. What does the Bible say? Did the English translation get in the way? Why don't you look at the context? (laughs) Nice. That's it. Three steps. Powerful stuff. Yeah. Dude. Amazing. What is the ultimate answer, Joel? Ultimate answer. I'm going to give it in. I'm going to give it in three steps here. One, it's not our job to judge these people who do these things Two, judging them makes us equally as guilty as the people who do these things in fact we become even guiltier by condemning ourselves when we judge others which actually shows this takes the matthew chapter 7 episode we did even further this is a lot worse than me just being unsettled and judged in the moment. I'm condemning myself. (laughs) And number three, our faith in God, we can give up this desire or burden of judging others who have wronged us or who have done wrong to God. Allow God to be the rightful, right and just judge. Now, the Bible does have a lot of conflicts in what is stated which is one of the reasons we're doing this season the way we are in the first place. We're trying to help people understand the, the correct interpretation of the scriptures, especially in those verses where the conflicts in what is stated have caused man to, to add man-made tradition to the word of God. The Bible does not have contradictions in the why or in the doctrine. So the when we remove the contradictions in the what, it helps us understand the how and the why better. Oh my goodness. There is so much left to say. Yeah. 
there's a lot to talk about. Um, thank you, Joel. An, thank you. An, an amazing focus on what it is that we should actually be looking at in these verses. Right. As soon as you brought in the context. Yeah. So, um, yeah, thanks again. And this has been What the Flock. This is not the end. If you'd like a deeper study of this verse and how to deal with people who believe the man-made traditional perspectives, listen to the Music of Life Church podcast companion episode where we're about to go absolutely bonkers. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for listening, everyone. Remember, if you've been hurt by church, you're not alone. We're here for you.